Hello and welcome back to the Chronicles of Aguna podcast. I'm your host, Harry Sinew, and this show is brought to you by Loserport.com, a fantastic new betting game. Head over to Loserport.com for more information. Um, feeling downbeat today following the disappointing Derby defeat uh, last night at the hands of Tottenham Hotspur. No matter what the competition, no matter how high or low it sits in your priority list as an Arsenal fan, Getting beat at home by your fiercest rivals is never easy to swallow um, and it's always disappointing, of course. I feel particularly passionate about last night's defeat for a number of reasons. Um, I feel as though the manager got it wrong, but I'm going to come on to that a bit later on. Um, For those of you listening on audio, you may want to switch over to YouTube um, to watch this one because I've got some visual props that are going to help me um, explain my points. Of course, for those of you that do wish to listen via audio, that's absolutely fine. I'll be explaining those in detail anyway. Um, But yeah, feel free to check out our YouTube channel if you haven't already and make sure you hit the like button and hit the subscribe button. It's ever so important in our growth. Um, So thank you very much in advance for that. Now, I want to begin uh, by looking at Unai Emery's team selection, which I felt was was wrong, um, and not for the first time in recent weeks as well. Um, you know what? Not for the first time this season. I think the fact that he has to make so many half-time changes, um, you know, so often kind of backs up that point that maybe he's not getting it right from the start and hasn't actually been getting it right from the start for quite some time. I don't want to be negative um, because I understand that it's still relatively early in his Arsenal um, tenure, but there are some issues that that need highlighting, and and I don't think that we should be afraid to call them out when when they are wrong. When Unai Emery makes mistakes, that's absolutely fine. Every manager makes mistakes, um, but just because we wanted Arsene Wenger out so badly, um, it doesn't mean that we should be afraid to criticise the new regime. And and that's all I'm saying. Um, he started off with Petr Cech in goal, Maitland Niles, Socrates, Xhaka and Monreal uh, in defence. Lucas Terreira and Matteo Guendouzi providing the pivot in front of them. With Mkhitaryan, Ramsey and Iwobi supporting Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang. Um, on the subs bench we had Mohamed Elneny, Laurent Koscielny, Alexander Lacazette, Stefan Licksteiner, Emi Martinez, Eddie Nketiah and Joe Willock. Now Spurs lined up with Paolo Gazaniga in goal. Um, Kieran Trippier, Toby Alderweireld, Ben Davis, and Danny Rose. So they too were playing without two conventional centre-backs. Ben Davis slotting in there. Um, Harry Winks and Musa Sissoko sat in front of the defence with Lucas Moura, Christian Eriksen, Deli Ali, um, and then Son Heung-min leading the line. Having been at the game last night and, and having watched it uh, very, very closely, I knew that when I left the stadium, the knives would be out for Granit Xhaka. Um, and, you know, unfortunately, a lot of our fans have got it in for him. And, and that's another story altogether. But the guy's been asked to play out of position for the second game in a row now. Um, I note that he's also uh, had to play at left back a couple of times as well during games, which isn't ideal. Um, but, but what really frustrates me here is that, you know, Granit Xhaka and Lucas Torreira formed a fantastic partnership in the middle of the park. And it's becoming more and more evident from week to week that Lucas Torreira needs Granit Xhaka next to him. Um, That's how you get the best out of Lucas Torreira. And that's how you get the best out of Granit Xhaka. Interesting stat for you here. Matteo Guendouzi has started six games for Arsenal in the Premier League this season. And Arsenal have only won one of them. That was against Huddersfield Town. 
I'm not saying he's not a good player. I'm not saying that he hasn't got potential um, and that we shouldn't be excited about that potential. What I'm saying is Matteo Guendouzi and Lucas Torreira as a pair do not work. The balance is not right. Um, and, and as a result, you know, we're getting found out. We're getting dominated in the middle of the park far too often. Southampton did it to us. Winks and Sissoko did it to us um, last night. So, you know, this is becoming a common theme. And, and Unai Emery needs to address this and soon. But aside from the fact that he's dismantled a partnership that has worked so well um, for the most part of this season, you're, you're persisting with Granite Xhaka at centre-back when you've got natural defenders on the substitutes bench. Now, I'm not for a minute suggesting that Lauren Koscielny should have started last night because Lauren koscielny has been out for, for a very long time. We know it's a very horrible injury that he had and the recovery is going to be a long one. It's going to be a struggle. It's going to be tough. And I think we can all agree that he looked particularly rusty uh, down at St. Mary's at the weekend. So Granite Jack, uh, sorry, Lauren Koscielny being left out didn't surprise me in the slightest. Um, I think that was probably the right move. What did surprise me was that Stefan Licksteiner uh, didn't get a look in. Now for me, I would have preferred to have seen Nacho Monreal move into the centre-back position and Licksteiner play as, as one of the full-backs. Or even still, you know, Mohamed Elneny is probably a more useful centre-back than Granit Xhaka. There's just so many different things that, that Unai Emery could have done and he's essentially weakened two areas of our field by putting Granit Xhaka in that position. For me, Granit Xhaka has to sit alongside Lucas Torreira. And, you know, if you end up with Socrates and Monreal, I think that's a much more competent centre-back partnership. Granit Xhaka doesn't have defensive tendencies. And I think for the first goal, we saw that. He seemed, uh, and the second probably as well, but I'll come on to that one a little bit later on. But Granit Xhaka, he didn't know whether to step forward, whether to try and play uh, the forward offside. He, he just didn't know what to do um, on a number of occasions. And that's because he doesn't have that defensive instinct. You can't click your fingers and turn someone into a centre-back overnight. It's a position that takes a lot of studying. Positional sense is key in that area of the park. And if you haven't got that, and if you haven't worked on that throughout your career, it's very hard to just turn that on. And people need to accept that. So for me, the blame lies at Unai Emery's door. You know, Stefan Licksteiner could have even gone in at centre-back, uh, you know, too. And I think he'd have had a better time, an easier time than Granit Xhaka because he is a defender. You know, he might be a right-sided defender, but he is a defender. He's a very experienced footballer. He's played in some great defensive teams, um, you know, Juventus in particular. And so he will have a, a better knowledge of what it takes to defend than Granit Xhaka will. I think that's obvious. And that is a, a glaring mistake from from Unai Emery in my book, and the first goal led to uh, was caused, sorry, by us not knowing what to do uh, with a marker, and and obviously the second goal came from a hesitation from both the centre backs, which allowed Harry Kane to chest the ball down, turn uh, and pick out Deli Ali, and and Deli Ali's run wasn't tracked equally, so you know problems galore at the back for Arsenal, and and it is concerning because we're halfway through the Premier League season almost. Um, we've played 17 games in that competition, but of course we've played lots of others in the Cups and the Europa League and it just feels as though there's been no improvement defensively and you can say I'm being harsh, but I think if you probably look into it, the stats will probably back me up and the minute the likes of Aubameyang and Lacazette aren't as efficient, you'll start to see the cracks, won't you? Because we've had to be very efficient to get results in front of goal and what I mean by that is Lacazette and Aubameyang have had to be on top form and the minute their form maybe drops off a little bit, you'll you'll see the problems because we can't keep turning up for half of a football match. We can't keep allowing 
teams to take the lead. We can't keep allowing teams to run through on goal unchallenged. And, and you know, there's a whole list of issues. And, and, you know, I could go on about this all day. I just want to quickly make a point about Ainsley Maitland-Niles. He was asked to play at right back yesterday. First, um, he was asked to play as a conventional right back in a back four. And then he was asked to play as a right wing back in the second half. Now, one of the things that impressed me about Ainsley Maitland-Niles when he first broke into the Arsenal team was his confidence in his own ability, his composure um, and his maturity. Well, last night we didn't see any of that. I thought that Ainsley Maitland-Niles looked really low on confidence. Um, basic things like controlling and passing the ball um, just weren't happening. Uh, he looked hesitant to get forward, hesitant to take on his man. And, you know, I know that he was played out of position. I know he's a midfield player. But as a midfield player, surely that means you've got more composure on the ball um, and, and you're very confident with the ball at your feet and and capable of picking out a pass I thought he had none of that last night I don't know if it's a dip in confidence I know he's been out injured for quite a lot of this season and perhaps you know the confidence that he got from being included by Arsene Wenger hasn't carried on hasn't carried over in the Unai Emery regime um, which is a little bit strange because I suppose Unai Emery really praised him didn't he when he first came in he spoke about how he could be a very good player and how he was a real part of his plans that hasn't really materialized though um, and I thought that last night showed that when people talk about Hector Bellerin and and, and criticise him, they don't have a fucking clue what they're on about, if I'm being honest, because Hector Bellerin gets up and down that pitch like no one else. Hector Bellerin makes our um, attacking football flow um, with the fact that, you know, you can play the ball out to the right and it's not going to break down with Hector Bellerin. There were countless times last night that Maitland-Niles gave the ball away, uh, lost the ball trying to take on a player. There was a couple of times when we were pushing in the second half where he tried to beat his man. It just wasn't happening. He wasn't able to pick out a pass in the middle either. And, you know, I think last night just demonstrated how badly we miss Hector Bellerin and how crucial he is to this this team. I don't really want to go in too hard on Ainsley Maitland-Niles. It's not what I'm trying to do. He's a young player. Um, he's got a lot to learn, a long way to go. Um, but it just goes to show that, you know, I've heard countless Arsenal fans in the last few weeks talking about youth and bringing through certain players and giving them a chance. Well, none of those players are ready, in my opinion, um, and they're not going to be ready anytime soon. So if Arsenal want the success that, that is desired, you know, the, the top four finishes, the cup runs um, and being competitive against our rivals, we need to buy ready-made replacements for these players. We cannot be relying on, on youth players and, and hoping that they break through. It's not going to happen and, and it sounds horrible. Everybody wants to see youngsters from their club coming through, but that's not modern football. That's not the reality and, and we need to catch up quick. Uh, moving a little bit further up the pitch, I want to talk about Henrik Mkhitaryan and Alex Iwobi. Um, a lot of people are wondering why those two keep starting games and, and you've got a fair point. I, I completely agree with you. I'm not sure why Unai Emery likes the pair so much. Um, is it that he likes them individually? Is it that he likes them as a pair, as a partnership? Is it because they work hard? Because they both do, to be honest. Henrik Mkhitaryan works a lot harder than I thought he would when we initially signed him. I thought particularly in the first half uh, last night, he worked like a dog. And, and so I was surprised to see him come off at halftime. Um, so what I'm the, the point I'm trying to get to is Mesut Ozil, for me, is a far better footballer than either of those two. So what justification is there for leaving him out 
and picking those two. Now, Mesut Ozil, you know, there's been lots going around in the press, you know, people saying that his injuries are not real, um, that there's a falling out with Unai Emery. And for the first time last night, I started to join that sort of bandwagon and, and agreeing with the, the notion that they probably have falling out. Um, because why else would you leave him out of the squad completely? It makes no sense. And Unai Emery came out and said it was for tactical reasons. Well, what tactical reasons? Explain. You know, you've got Joe Willock on the bench. Why don't you have Mesut Ozil on the bench? All due respect to Joe Willock, but he's not going to come on and change a game for you, is he, when you're in trouble? So, you know, you've got a potential game changer in Mesut Ozil and, and you don't want him around the squad for whatever reason. You keep saying that he's um, he's been left out for tactical reasons. Well, explain it. What are the tactical reasons? You can't talk about physicality um, all the time. That doesn't wash with me. Football is not just about being a brute and barging into people. Uh, you know, Mesut Ozil's a very technically gifted player, very creative. And yes, from time to time, um, his form dips. And, and, you know, you have every right to question that as fans. But to leave him out completely makes no sense to me. You know, he's better than Iwobi. He's better than Mikitarian, And so it makes absolutely no sense. It, they must have fallen out. It's the only logical explanation now. And, you know, I, quite frankly, I'm getting sick and, and tired of, of hearing about it. He's, he's the best player at Arsenal Football Club and he needs to be involved. And it's as simple as that. If he wasn't the best player at Arsenal Football Club, he wouldn't be on a contract um, worth around about £300,000 a week. So... You know, there's a reason for that. And you've got to think about that. He is our most talented footballer. No doubt. No doubt in my mind. And that leads me on nicely to a question about another player who's seemingly been left out in the cold. And that's Alexander Lacazette. I mean, what on earth does he have to do to get a start in this Arsenal team? Every time he comes on, he has an impact, a positive one. Um, he pressures defenders. He works a lot harder than Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang. I think his hold-up play is a lot better. Yes, Aubameyang's uh, goal statistics are, are, are good. And I'm not saying that Aubameyang should be left out of the side. But Unai Emery has to find a way of accommodating the pair of them because Aubameyang is so much better when Lacazette is on the pitch. And Arsenal as a team, as an attacking force, is so much better when Lacazette is there. So that is one that doesn't make sense to me. And I'd like to hear your thoughts on that. So tweet me at Chronicles underscore AFC because... Um, I don't get that. I don't understand what it is that, that Unai Emery doesn't fancy about Alexander Lacazette. I think he's a brilliant footballer. Um, and, and it's only a matter of time, isn't it, before Alexander Lacazette gets fed up and, and goes and knocks on the manager's office door and, and, and starts wondering why he's constantly being left out. You know, Unai Emery would turn around and say it's tactical um, and that he feels that the team doesn't have the right balance. I think he said something along those lines earlier on in the season. And that's fine but we can't bloody defend anyway. He's obviously not seeing any benefit from leaving them, him out of the team, is he? Because we're not tight defensively as a result of that. We're not particularly dominant in midfield as a result of Lacazette being left out. So for me, it makes no sense. And, and it's only a matter of time before Lacazette gets fed up too. And and I just get the feeling that Unai Emery's starting to lose a little bit of control in the dressing room. Uh, players will start getting fed up. You know, Aaron Ramsey's another one. I know he hasn't signed the contract and I know um, he's, he's likely to leave in the summer. But, you know, 
Aaron Ramsey, when he's played, his performances have warranted him being in the side. He's remained professional. So I think the manager needs to do the same uh, when picking the team. And, and Aaron Ramsey needs to be considered more. And and as and Alexander Lacazette certainly, certainly needs to be in that starting lineup more often than he is at present. Now, I've spoken a lot about um, Unai Emery's team selection, Unai Emery's tactics in recent weeks. I don't feel that they've been... Uh, 100% right. I feel that there have been some some major issues um, and I'm starting to see uh, a problem with the way we're trying to play out from the back. It's been a problem all season realistically but I guess early on I gave Unai the benefit of the doubt because it was a new thing and he was trying to implement it and I, I understand the reasons behind it but I think what the game against Spurs showed um, was that you cannot play that way with Petr Cech in goal. Um, I think we all knew that deep down. I think we hoped he'd improve in that department, but it's not happening, is it? Um, and, and for all Bern Leno's thoughts and the fact that he comes out for crosses like a madman, you have to say that he's far more comfortable on the ball, far more competent in that department. And as a result, you know, we're more successful in playing that way with him in the team. Um, if, of course, we have to play that way. Now, what I've done here, um, I've got my little tactics board out, which is uh, a Christmas present from me, to me, um, <laughs> seeing as nobody else buys for me anymore. Uh, so for those of you listening on the audio, I'm going to try and explain this as best as possible. Um, but obviously on the YouTube video, I've got this visual aid with me. So if you are listening on the audio and you fancy switching over to YouTube, please do not hesitate to do so. The YouTube channel is The Chronicles of Aguna and, and you can find it there. Um, also like it, also subscribe it. Cheers. Um, right now, one of the scenarios I want to highlight is is when we're taking a goal kick or when we're trying to play the ball out from the back when the ball is at the goalkeeper's feet. Um, I think we make things ever so difficult for ourselves and we put ourselves into some very, very awkward positions. Um, I'm going to show you as best as I can uh, on this little board here. Um, for those of you listening on the audio, I am going to try and explain it as best as possible, so bear with me. Um, so in the instance where we have a goal kick. So this is your goalkeeper here, Czech, Leno, whoever it may be. And these are your three centre-halves. You've then got your, your midfield pivot, which is Xhaka Torreira, Xhaka Guendouzi, Guendouzi Torreira, whatever the manager decides to go with um, on that particular day. And then you've got your wing-backs pushed right up to the halfway line. Now, in the instance where we have a goal kick, this is what tends to happen. Um, the two centre-backs, the right-sided one and the left-sided one, are asked to drop deep, almost to the byline and just wide of the penalty area in order to create the angle for the goalkeeper. Um, with the central defender asked to stay on the edge of the D. Then what you have is your, your two wing backs. They stay on the halfway line. Um, and then you've got your obviously your midfield pivot looking to protect. Now, what keeps happening, and this happens over and over and over again. I've seen it so many times this season. Is this what I'm about to demonstrate. The goalkeeper will take... The, the goal kick and play it short to either one of the two centre-backs who have pulled wide. And your opponent just simply does this. They step further up the pitch. They shut out the gap between the, the centre-back who's now pulled wide and the wing-back. They also cover the channel in between the centre-back and the centre-midfielder. And they do the same on both sides. And they push right up the pitch. And what keeps happening is the ball goes out to that centre-back. He cannot play the ball down the line to the wing back because the wing back is too far away. The gap is too great between them. He cannot play the ball inside from fear of losing it because the opponent has shut out the channels 
into the midfield players. The only thing left to do is to give it back to the goalkeeper or play across the back line to your centre-back colleague. And that is so dangerous. To do that, it needs to be so, so accurate. And right now, we don't have the footballers playing in the centre of our defence to do that. We don't have a Virgil van Dijk. We don't have a Sergio Ramos. We don't have a Rio Ferdinand of years gone by who's so confident on the ball. We don't have any of that. And this is the problem that we're having from time to time. They squeeze us up. They shut out all the channels. And we end up playing the ball from from... The centre-back, back to the keeper, back to the other centre-back, back across the goal to this centre-back, back into the middle. And it's just, we keep doing that until we find the way out. And often the way out is to lump the ball up the pitch because there is no clear option. And we keep losing the ball as a result of it. Now, the theory behind it, it is a good one. It makes sense in theory. But that's the key word there, theory. The practicality of it is a completely different thing. And what happens is, in theory is that what Unai Emery wants to do is he wants to suck these players in. He wants to suck your opponent in to to thinking that they can win the ball, to thinking that they can dispossess you on the edge of your own penalty area. And the idea is that your passing is so good that you manage to play around them and then you've got space in the midfield to drive at their back line. That's the theory, but it doesn't work. It's not happening at the moment. And, And I just feel that... At this moment in time, Unai Emery needs to rethink this. He needs to abandon this. Um, Not forever, but he needs to think that right now we don't have the players capable of doing this. Um, And it's causing us problems time and time and time again. We saw it a few times last night. Um, If I said it back to when we switched to the back three in the second half, where Granit Xhaka was receiving the ball in this position, in the left centre-back position, um, and then looking to play the ball into the middle of the park. It wasn't quite happening because Spurs had become alert to it. They'd started shutting out these channels here and preventing us from playing that ball out of our back line into the midfield to then turn and get going. And then as a result of that, you end up with literally playing with your wing backs. And last night, unfortunately, Nacho Monreal and Ainsley Maitland-Niles were just not good enough to to penetrate Spurs' back line in, in an effective way. And, and that's why, I guess, in the second half, we didn't create jack shit. Um, but yeah, th- th- this is a concern that has been with me for most of the season. Even when we play a back four, if I quickly switch this to a back four, then you, you end up with the same problem again because he's asking, the, if you take these guys out of the equation for a minute, if he's asking the centre-backs to do that again and split... Um, and then your midfield player is dropping in here and your opponent shuts that pass out to the midfield player, shuts the pass out to one centre-back and one out to the other, then you're in trouble. You have to go long. If you don't go long, you're putting any of those players under immense pressure. And that's why we keep losing the ball at the back. You know, it's in theory, I understand what Unai Emery is trying to do, but we don't have the tools to play that way right now. And he needs to abandon that um, for the time being, in my opinion. Now, this is not an observation just based on last night's game, by the way. This is something I've been talking about all season. Um, He's asking them to spread into these positions. And, you know, I've already spoken about how our opponents are shutting down the channels out of the defence. But what also happens as well is that when you do lose the ball, you know, when you do lose the ball and you're in this sort of shape, you're exposed, aren't you? Because there's a gaping hole in the middle of your penalty area on the edge of your box. And and as the centre-halves have pulled out so wide, it will take time for them to get back in here and protect. 
And and so that's a common problem as well. And I think the game at Cardiff earlier on in the season highlighted that when Czech played a ball out um, straight to the attacker and I think it was Harry Arta was literally here. And by the time the centre-backs could get across, he got a shot off. So this is a common theme that's occurring time and time again. Uh, and, and we need to work out um, another way of playing. And, and Unai Marie needs to stop being stubborn. Um, something that I've said he hasn't been this season, but he has in, in some ways. He needs to cut it out and he needs to go back to basics and, and protect us um, as best as possible. And if you want to play that football, then I don't know. I don't see it working with this group of players. Just a thought. Again, let me know what you think. Tweet me at Chronicles underscore AFC. Right now it is time to look at some of your questions and comments. I put a tweet out late last night um, when I got home from the game uh, to get your thoughts and, and some of your questions. And I forgot to do this on the last show, so I do apologize uh, to those who sent stuff in. I'll definitely uh, make sure I don't miss them today. Um, yeah, sorry about that. Uh, so let's go uh, first from Mike Stavrou, who actually features regularly on this podcast. Mike says, when will Emery finally get the team right from the first whistle rather than having to react and change a game at halftime? Mike, I wish I knew the answer to that question. I completely agree with you. Whilst Unai Emery's been getting praise for impacting games with his substitutions, I guess a lot of us have overlooked the actual issue, which is that we're not getting it right in the beginning. Um so, yeah, that is a real concern and, and fingers crossed that can be resolved as soon as possible. Um, Graham Sutherland, another follower and uh, fan of the show, real supporter. Thank you so much, Graham. Um, I know you've only started re uh, listening relatively recently, um, but you've been brilliant and one of our most active followers. So thank you so much for that. Now, Graham asks whether we should start with a Bamiang or Lacazette going forward or both. Um in my opinion, if you have to pick one or the other, it's Alexander Lacazette. I think he brings far more to the team than just goals. Um, and Whereas I think Aubameyang, yes, he gets goals, but he doesn't really bring a great deal else. In an ideal world, I'd like to find a system where both of them can start, but I don't see that happening. Um, so I guess for me, it's got to be Lacazette. This next one comes from Richard Wright. He says, perhaps this is a, just a blessing in disguise. We've got a very thin squad and now we can focus on the Premier League, Europa League and FA Cups. Hopefully we'll have more reinforcements by then. Um, I do think that a two-legged semi-final would have taken its toll on us. So uh, I see where you're coming from on that one. Um, but you know what? I'd have personally been happy to have seen him get through the Spurs game and then drop players and, and start picking youth players in the semi-final. I wouldn't have been that bothered had we beaten Spurs. I think for me, it hurts a great deal more because it was against them. Um, and, you know, rightly or wrongly, that's just, just how I feel. Interestingly as well, um, during the day, I put a poll out where I asked whether people were feeling confident. I asked for people's predictions and the options were Arsenal win, Spurs win or penalties. 77% of you voted an Arsenal win. Only 10% voted Spurs victory and 13% of you thought it would go to penalties. Thank you to everyone who took part in that poll. Uh, keep an eye out on the Twitter uh, page. There'll be more of those coming. That brings us to the end of another episode. Not going to wish you all a Merry Christmas just yet because we'll be dropping one more episode after the Burnley game um, before the Christmas holiday kicks in. Um, so, yeah, uh, thank you once again for listening. Thank you once again for watching. For those of you who are with us on YouTube, don't forget to subscribe, guys. Don't forget to like. Don't forget to review us if you're listening on iTunes. 
ever, ever so important for us. Um, so thank you very much. And uh, thanks for your continued support. Don't forget this show is sponsored by loserpool.com, a fantastic new betting game. If you head over to loserpool.com, there's more information and you'll find out exactly how it works. And I believe there is a pot with a thousand pound prize at the moment um, for the winner. And you'll be surprised if, if you know your stuff, you can win some serious money with this. So do head over to loserpool.com. Um, on behalf of myself and everyone else involved with the Chronicles of Aguna, thank you very much for listening and watching once again. And uh, we'll be back on Sunday or maybe Monday. Haven't decided yet. Probably Monday. Until then, guys, take care.